Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. If you're joining us online, we are glad that you're with us as well. So I was in for a very, very long week, y'all. I, uh, Sarah, Sarah was at this time, she was pregnant with our oldest. So it was our first little one. Um, and I was going to school full time at Bible college. I was working at a church part time and I had just gotten a new job to work at a bank full time. So I was in my first week at the new job, and that means I was in for a fun-filled, exciting week of training. Amen. It was going to be a long week, and uh, I, this was the second bank I had worked at, and uh, in the position I was going to be in, one of the things that they wanted us to be trained on is uh, some security things, because working at a bank, you know, you've got at least two concerns from a security standpoint. You don't want to get robbed. That's the first one. But you don't have a ton of, you know, like control over that. You got some. The bank does overall. But as a bank teller, you're just kind of along for the ride. Second thing is you do not want to be the person who receives some fake money and deposits it into somebody's account. That's just not what you want. You don't want to be that guy. Uh, cause it's not gonna work out for you. So they wanna train you on, on how to identify, uh, real money versus fake money. So the, the strategy that my new bank deployed to train us on how to identify real bills from fake bills was the same one the prior bank that I worked at would do. So instead of them just showing us a bunch of fake bills, what they wanted us to do is to grow very, very familiar with the real thing. So they told us about the textures on a currency note. They told us about the watermarks and the security strips. And as they continue to uh, make new kind of bills that becomes more security enhanced and all of this. So there's things that you need to check to make sure that it's a real $100 bill, $20 bill, all of those things. Even the $5 bills got some security things. All of them do because they want to make sure that the things that people are depositing in their account is real stuff. So in the same way the bank wanted me as a bank teller to know what real money was like, um, what I want to do for us today is to begin a journey so that you understand the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Because there are all kinds of ideas about Jesus out there that are false. But I want you to understand the real Jesus, which is why we're starting a brand new series, a, a, a kind of a mega series, if you will, in the book of Matthew. So in the book of Matthew, we're going to be walking through it, like walking, not sprinting, but walking through the book of Matthew. We're going to have a bunch of, uh, we're going to call them albums. Uh, and the first album is Journey to Jesus, where we're going to dig in to the book of Matthew Together. So if you were on your way into the room, if you're here in the room, uh, you saw a table with these blue books. That is scripture notebooks. It's the book of Matthew. On one side is the text and on the other side is lined paper so that you can be good students as we dig into the book of Matthew and you can take notes as we, as we preach on them. You can take notes at home as you read uh, ahead. And I'd encourage all of you to do all of that. We're just asking for a $5 donation to help cover the costs of those. If you don't have five bucks, that's fine. Take one anyway. Okay. It's all Good. So we want to encourage you to take those um, because I want you to understand the real Jesus. And a little bit of things about the book of Matthew. So the book of Matthew was written by a guy by the name of 
Matthew, <laughs> you guys are on it, okay? Um, and Matthew was a guy, he used to be a tax collector for the Romans. He was a Jewish man who was a traitor to his nation and started helping the Roman Empire to collect taxes. And he was able to take extra taxes because, you know, somebody's going to get paid and he's working for Uncle Sam, so he's going to get his, right? And so he's taking extra money and he's uh, extorting people and... Then along comes this rabbi named Jesus, and he says, Hey, you, Matthew, come and follow me. So uh, if you ever thought, like, man, there's some sketchy people at church. That's been from the beginning, y'all. <laughs> and if you don't think that uh, you're the sketchy one, understand, you're the sketchy one. You know? It's like, yeah, yeah. Welcome to church, y'all. Uh, we've all got a story. Um, and so Matthew walks with Jesus, lives with Jesus, sees Jesus do all this work, and he's following him. And uh, about 17 or so, about maybe less than 20 years later, after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to the throne room in heaven, Matthew decides, I'm going to write down my account of Jesus' life. So he writes down a biography of Jesus, and uh, he gives this to primarily a Jewish audience at first. And uh, we have this now in Scripture, and it is his account of the life and work of Jesus. So we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or if you have your scripture notebooks, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 1. And I just want you to know the title of my sermon today is that Jesus' family tree is weirder than yours. Because it is. Jesus' family tree is weirder and more wild than yours is. Okay, so Matthew chapter 1, we're going to dig in today uh, over the next... Uh, six and a half or five and a half verses. We're going to go to the, the first half of, ch- of verse six in Matthew chapter one. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if you decided to start reading the Bible one day and you came to the book of Matthew and you started saying, okay, I'm going to read from chapter one and on, um, the first 17 verses, this is all going to be new to you because I know none of you have read it. Because Jesus starts out this story with a genealogy, which is a family ancestry. You know, it's ancestry.com before we had that. But for Jesus. So Matthew uh, gives us a genealogy of the count of Jesus' family tree. And uh, let's start here in verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is what Matthew says. In account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of of Abraham. We'll stop there first and foremost, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, we would look at a a genealogy as the beginning of a story, as the beginning of a a true life account, as really boring, right? That's why we just really skip over it. We're just like, I don't know. Somebody was the father to somebody else, and they were the father to somebody else, and a bunch of people had kids, and they kept having kids, and, you know, it would just go on and on and on forever. We just hear a bunch of names. But for the, the first century Jewish audience, when they heard a genealogy, they heard what, what, like, comic book nerds hear when they are watching all of the comic book movies, all the superhero. Have you ever watched a movie with someone who who watched or read all the comic books. Like a superhero movie, they read all the comics. Have you ever done that? Isn't it annoying? Because they add all the extra stuff while the story's going on. They pause it and like, hey, did you know about this? This is an allusion to something else and, and they're not going to go into it, but it's kind of like this foreshadowing of something else is coming. Like you ever done that? Or someone who's a Star Wars geek, right? I love Star Wars, but I didn't read all the books. 
So I've been just fine with all of Disney's uh, additions. Some of y'all are just, they, you judging me right now. Because you read all the books and you know how inaccurate it is. Or you know all of it, right? So this is what I want to do in this genealogy of, of Jesus' family tree. I want to be the comic book nerd for you, but a Bible nerd for you, to open your eyes to what is actually happening in this genealogy. But I want to do it in a way that's helpful, not annoying. Amen? If you're the comic book nerd, I'm sorry. Okay? But somebody had to say it. Okay? <laughs> the Lord has mercy on you too. Okay? All right, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Ab- Abraham. It's important for us to understand what Jesus or what what Matthew's doing about Jesus. He's saying that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. First thing, uh, this is going to be a very teaching oriented uh, sermon series where we're going to be digging in, y'all. Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus's last name. Okay, that is a title. That was given to Jesus because he is the Christ. The Greek word is Christ, and that is the uh, translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. And I know that's not helpful. Christ, Messiah, we don't use those words. Uh, what those words mean is anointed one, which that doesn't help either. Uh, call him the king. Jesus Christ is Christ the king. Jesus, King Jesus. That is what uh, Matthew's thesis statement is. Those of you who used to be in English class back in the day, those of you who are, this is Matthew's thesis statement. This is what he wants to prove over the course of his account of the life of Jesus. That he is the the, the Messiah, the promised one, the one for the Jews who they would have understood. They He's the one that God had promised them to come. And he has a couple of phrases that are important for us to understand. Um, in order for him to be the Messiah, he had to be what he says right here, the son of of David, David was uh, Israel's greatest king, and and God gave him a promise that uh, through his lineage there would be a king who would reign forever. That King David's King David's uh, kingdom would reign forever because of his offspring. And so it's good for the Jews. Jesus is the promised one for the Jewish people, but it's also good news for everyone else because he's also the son of Abraham, and and Abraham had a promise that God gave him that through Abraham's offspring, all the nations and all the peoples of the whole entire world, all ethnos, would be blessed through him. That there would be someone who would change the game, that would change the world for every single person on earth. And that is good news, not only for the Jewish people, but it's good news for us as well. Because what that means is, is that Jesus is willing to welcome anyone and everyone to come to him. That he, he, is, he is here for everyone. There is no one who's excluded from being able to come to Jesus. That's good news. So that is all the things that are packed into that one verse in, in Matthew chapter 1. But let's keep on reading. Matthew 1, verse 1, we'll keep going on. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. First century Jews would be super ecstatic. Like, get me my popcorn. I am ready for this genealogy. Amen. Abraham fathered Isaac. Oh, amen. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Aminadab. If y'all are expecting, you got some names options here. Aminadab, that's a cool name. Amen. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. 
So there's a lot going on here. And as the first century Jews were hearing these names, they would have been like, if I would have started, for those of you who like Star Wars, if I started naming the names of the movies, you would have those stories and those movies start playing in your head. You would be able to refer to those kinds of things or whatever series that you're familiar with. These kinds of things would be coming to mind because they would have known these stories. They would have known these accounts of these real people who followed a real God in real time. So let me just give you a little bit of an idea because what I want to show you today is that uh, Jesus' family tree is weirder than yours and that is good news for you and me because that means that um, even they were able to be used by God and even they were welcomed by God into his family. Uh, this is good news, y'all. And and some of these people you would have maybe recognized if you grew up in church a little bit, you would recognize some of these names and you might even call them Bible heroes. Father Abraham had many sons and, you know, the other parts of that song, because I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know the song, but Abraham had some sons, right? That's how it goes. Anyone want to sing it solo? No? All right. Okay, that's fine. Um, All right. Abraham, that could go real bad, too, because, you know, we'd all, anyway, American Idol, first couple episodes, you know, it's all the tryouts. We don't want to do that in church. Okay. Um, so Abraham, let me just give you an account of Abraham. Abraham was a man, he uh, was about 70 years old at this time, and God appeared to him and his wife and said, hey, I want you to move, I want you to sell your house and go to another town. And uh, I want to give you a promise too. Uh, through you, you're going to be all, through your offspring, they're going to number the stars, look at the stars in the sky, uh, and you will not be able to even count the stars in the sky just like that. You won't be able to count the amount of offspring that will come from your family tree, from your offspring and and through your offspring all the nations of the world will be blessed and so abraham's given this promise and it's a little bit of a weird promise because he's in his 70s at this point and him and sarah have not been able to have any kids so god tells them hey you're going to be blessed through me and i'm going to bless your offspring and abraham's like hold up pump the brakes i ain't got no kids and i'm in my 70s Like, even if I wanted to still have kids, I ain't got enough energy for that. Right? Grandparents, you want to start over? No, you want to be able to fill them up with sugar and pass them off to the parents. Amen? Yeah, and then us parents are like, come on, stop. You know? Like, come come here. They're going to be up all night. And so Abraham's given this promise by, by, uh, by God. Abraham and Sarah, they, they follow him. They go where he tells them to go. And, and time goes on and there, there comes a famine in the land. And so Abraham and Sarah have to go to Egypt to try and get some food because it, it's very convenient to eat. Um, and so they go and they, they go on their way. Abraham tells his wife Sarah, says, hey, they're going to find you attractive because, girl, you got it going on. Um, and so Pharaoh's going to want to take you as his wife. And if they know that we're married, they're going to want to kill me. So um, I am going to say that you're my sister. And spoiler alert, they were siblings and married. It's weird. And I don't have time to get into it. Just read your Bible. It's some wild stuff. So they go, and um, so it was kind of like it was manipulative, but it wasn't a full-fledged lie. So they go there, and uh, that's exactly what happens. They're like, hey, it's just my sister, you know, we're just hanging out, you know. And then uh, Pharaoh takes uh, Sarah as his wife, and then uh, the house of Pharaoh just gets all these diseases, and he's like, what's going on? And eventually figures it out that it's this Sarah lady, and, and he's like, okay, get away from me, Abraham, what are you doing? Oh, it's my wife, you know, and 
the Lord, he's got, you know, he told me I'm a big deal and I got this big mission and, and that's why he punished him. That's why God punished the Pharaoh. And so, um, Abraham, you know, you ever have one of those friends who doesn't seem to learn from their mistakes? You know, just kind of makes dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. Some of us have been there too. Um, that's kind of like Abraham and Sarah. So that was their first, one of their first of many dumb decisions. Another one, uh, so 20 years or so goes by, some decades, and, and God's still giving them this promise, has reminded of them, reminded him a couple of times of the promise, and Abraham and Sarah still don't have no kids. And so Sarah has a bright idea one day. She's got this gal working for her, um, named Hagar, and she gets the bright idea to give Abraham a new chore list. Okay? Uh, a new list of to-dos, the honey-do list. And what she decides to tell Abraham to do is, hey, why don't you go have a baby with her, my servant girl? And Abraham did not have selective hearing this day. So that's what happened. And Abraham... Uh, has a son with Hagar, and they name him Ishmael, and Sarah is not excited about this. She gets up, gets frustrated, even though it was her idea. Um, you know, like, it's just a bad move. Have you ever been impatient on God that you decided to take your matters into your own hands and you, you kind of just ruined everything? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like all day, every day, right? We struggle with patience. That's what was going on with Abraham and Sarah. And eventually, um, even though they made some really boneheaded decisions and just continued to just kind of follow him one moment and not follow him the next, God eventually blessed them with a son named Isaac. So Abraham fathered Isaac. All those kinds of things would have been in people's minds when they heard the verse to Abraham fathered Isaac. All the stories about Abraham. And, and like when we get to Isaac, like talk about a family tree that is filled with, you know, some, some cowardice with Abraham and, and some just really boneheaded mistakes and decisions. And then you have a son named Isaac. And it, it's just like sometimes family life is a little bit difficult. Amen. And, and what, what's true for, that was very true for Isaac. Um, just Isaac, let me give you a little bit of his resume of life. At a very young age, his dad almost killed him and blamed God for it. If you know the story, uh, Abraham was told by God to sacrifice his promised son, Isaac, on an altar. Um, and it was really a test and really a foreshadowing of what God would do because the Heavenly Father um, was willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So we see this uh, playing out in Abraham and Isaac. But can you imagine Thanksgiving meals after that, after um, Isaac was almost sacrificed by his father? Like, can you imagine that maybe... That kind of altered their relationship a little bit. Just kind of, just kind of awkward, right? Just, you guys don't find this funny. I know it's not very funny, but it's kind of like, ugh. It's kind of awkward, you know. And Isaac, you know, after all that happens, his wife and him were childless too for many years. Um, and and again, you know, they've got this pressure of being the promised child, and so that means you've got to have kids if God's promise is going to come true. And then Isaac, um, his his wife and them were chi- childless, and then uh, when he does have kids, his sons were always at odds with each other. For those of you who have kids, do your kids always get along? 
you're, you're together in this. You know, Isaac, his kids, they did not like each other at all. And Isaac even did the same kind of cowardice uh, decisions as his father did with, with his wife. And uh, Isaac, at the end of his life, was manipulated by his son Jacob and his wife Rebecca. Y'all, Scripture, the families of Scripture are not usually like model families. They're like families like our families. They're just a little messy. They're a little wild. They're a little weird. So Abraham fathered Isaac. I want to share with you another story. Judah, in verse 3, Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. By the way, I'm not sure about the pronunciation of Zerah, but if you say it with confidence, people will believe you. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Um, So this is a a wild story too. So um, Tamar is married to Judah's uh, son and he dies. And so it was Jewish custom to um, when when a uh, an older child, an older son died and was married and didn't have a male offspring, that it was the duty of the next son in line to um, to continue that lineage. So to meet his uh, brother's wife and and have a child together to continue his older brother's uh, family line. And so uh, Judah's second son refused to do that with Tamar and God struck him dead. Um, and so that happened. And, and Judah, meanwhile, the father is starting to wonder like, maybe, okay, I don't know what's going on, but this lady has, has been with two of my sons already and both of them have ended up dead. She's got some issues, right? Like just, I'm starting to put together the pattern. And so Judah was like, Hey, I'm not sure about my third son. Like I just don't, you know, three times a charm. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So Judah starts to withhold his his youngest or his third youngest son uh, from Tamar, even though that's what his duty was to do. And so Tamar, time goes by, and, and Judah's not, as, as the father-in-law of Tamar, she, he's not taking care of her. And so Tamar maybe, maybe watched him on one of the late-night evening strolls that he went on and learned something about Judah. Tamar had a plan. She decided to dress up like a prostitute, a woman of the night, and she, uh, so no one would be able to see what she looked like for real. And so, uh, Tamar lured, wooed Judah into sleeping with her as, as a prostitute. And, uh, time went on and things were found out that Tamar had done this, just no one knew who it was with. And Judah was furious. Judah was furious because he didn't know it was Tamar. And, and, you know, this was just one night on the town for him. Uh, so Judah finds out about this and is ready to just, uh, to just punish Tamar. Like, how could you? And Tamar pulls out some of his clothes, some of his uh, things that he owned, and said, hey, notice this? And it was in that moment Judah realized, oh, no, what did I do and he repented and he confessed his sin and meanwhile Tamar was pregnant with these twins named Perez and Zira. Now, y'all, okay, just just think about this. So, because of the Jewish custom, Judah ended up being the one who furthered his son's family lineage. So he furthered his own family lineage by um, having sons with Tamar, Perez, and Zerah. So in some ways, Perez and Zerah had 
uh, okay, Judah was in some ways the grandfather and father to Perez and Zamar or Zerah at the same time. How do you explain that one? That's just awkward. Can you imagine? Again, Thanksgiving Day. You're all supposed to get together as a family. And, and, you know, maybe the sons, they find out how they came to be. It's just a little awkward, right? Just a little weird. Jesus' family tree is weirder than yours. And then let's fast forward a little bit. The, the people of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt, but then Moses brought them out of slavery in Egypt, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then God raised up another man named Joshua who was going to take over the, the reins of leadership for the people of Israel, and they were going to go into the promised land. And as they were going into the promised land, the first city that they needed to defeat to be able to go into the land that God had promised them uh, was the city of Jericho. And so they sent in some spies from Israel into Jericho to kind of get a lay of the land, you know, get, do some recon because they didn't have drones to do that for them. They had to go in by foot. And so there was a knock at the door of this woman named Rahab. And this was not like out of the norm for her um, because Rahab, uh, her regular job, her, her main occupation was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. And so to get a knock at the door wasn't at all uh, uh, abnormal for her. And so these Israelite spies are right there at the door and she would have recognized them because they looked a little different and they had heard about what Israel was doing. And so she welcomes them in. They were not looking for her normal services, but they were looking to be, um, to be protected because the authorities of Jericho were looking for them. And so Rahab in this moment, you know, imagine the, the lifestyle that she had certainly uh, was not honoring God with her body, with her life, hadn't made a lot of decisions. In, in favor of worshiping God. Um, and, and she had made this decision in this very moment to help these Israelites and in, in many ways to be a traitor to her own people because she could see that God was with them and that God was going to do this whether she was a part of it or not. And so she cut a deal with them and said, would you, would you protect me and my family um, when, when you come, because I know that you're going to be victorious. And authorities came from Jericho, and they were looking for him. And uh, Rahab said, you need to go over there, because they, they left. Yeah, they were here, but they left, and they're going for the hills. Catch them if you can, you know, go get them. Um, and she made that lie, and, and she protected the people of God as she did that. Um, can you imagine? And, and then this woman named Rahab, she she not only was protected by God's people, but she was welcomed in to the people of Israel. And now this prostitute is now in the lineage of Jesus. Verse 5, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. So not only is she a Gentile, but she was also someone who was a woman of the night. And God used her for his own purposes even though her background was such that it is. Here's what I want you to walk away with and understand, is that no matter where you've come from, your story that you've been living up to this point, I don't care what it's been, is not a story that does not have the opportunity for it to change. Like you may be on chapter 90 out of 100, and yet those last 10 chapters, maybe those first 90, you didn't follow God. But you know what? God can change your story and make the climax of your story be one where you start to follow Jesus and things change forever. 
And it doesn't matter where you've been or how long you've not been following him or how long you followed him and then went away and then you're trying to come back or whatever your story is, whatever your background is. It does not matter where you've been. Y'all think about this. Abraham was someone who would he's counted as someone of great faith. And yet his story is filled with a mess. It's filled with ups and downs. We think about him as like if you grew up in church, you think he's a Bible hero. For real? He's a Bible zero, but because of God, he was used by him. He's someone who is just like us in that he, he struggles. He struggles to believe what God has said. And, And yet at the end of the day, even in spite of all the dumb decisions that he made, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It doesn't matter where you've been. God will still meet you right where you are and welcome you to follow him. Abraham, you got Isaac, who who had a really complicated family dynamic. Like you thought you and your, your relationship with your parents was awkward. Like Isaac's was more. Isaac's was more awkward. And, and even so, God used him in mighty ways. You may think to yourself, you know what, um, I, I've, I've done too many things in my life that like, how could God ever love me? Some of us, we've done some stuff that maybe no one else knows about, but, but we know about it and it eats us up. And yet what we see Tamar and Judah, like they were used by God for his own purposes And they are counted in the lineage of Jesus, in the family line of God. And you think about Rahab, you know, she lived much of her life not honoring God at all. Y'all, our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God who will welcome you to respond to him at any moment of any day, at any hour. She, she made a change and shifted and started to follow God after she had a moment where she decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one next step and honor God with this moment. It started with a moment and it changed her whole life. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. This is what is true. No matter the path you've been on, Jesus invites you to journey toward him today. No matter the path you've been on, Jesus invites you to journey toward him today. That is what we see in this genealogy. It's the journey of history toward Jesus. It's the journey toward Jesus. It's the the account of God's mercy and faithfulness all throughout history. And it's the account and and, and really, I think, a a sign of hope. Because um, I don't know about you, but these people are filled with a messy, complicated story. If it were me, like if I were going to write this story and have any kind of credibility, I would hope that the Messiah would have a, a nice and tidy family line. That everyone was, oh, they had it all figured out and they always followed God all the time. But that's not what we've got. We've got a God who's willing to get into the mess of life. And the ironic thing or the cool thing is that uh, coming to Jesus, the journey to Jesus was filled with a mess. And, and what we know is that God is willing to love you right where you are, that he, uh, he will meet you right where you are in your mess, and then he will walk with you through the rest of your life as you journey with him, and he'll start cleaning that up. So you can start to experience healing and hope 
for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your story has been. The the God we worship, he takes broken things and he makes them new. He remakes us in his image. I, it doesn't matter what you've what you've you've been through. Like here's the thing, y'all. I know that some of us we we come in here and and we try to smile and and we're happy to be here. But we come in with all kinds of things that we're carrying. And some of us we've been carrying them so long that we forgot that we're even carrying them. They just become a part of us. All the baggage, all the failures, all the trauma and the pain that we've experienced in our lives. Like some of us, we didn't know how to deal with it. We didn't know what to do with it. So instead of just letting it go at the feet of Jesus, we've been trying to carry it. Our hearts have been hardened because we've been hurt one too many times. That now, like the idea of letting anyone in, let alone letting God into our hearts, is just a little overwhelming. I get it. I understand. But here's what you need to know, is that Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And that means our God is a God who does not say you need to go get yourself cleaned up first before you can come to me. Our God is not one who says, hey, you need to stuff that. You need to figure it out. You need to go and deal with that. You need to bury it under the sand or whatever. He's saying, I know all the stuff you've got. And I'm telling you, you can bring your whole self to me and all your issues. I know that some of us, we keep so much stuff locked up deep inside of us because we're afraid of sharing it. Because when we share it, we make ourselves vulnerable to what people might do with that kind of information. I know. I get it. I'm there with you. But this is what I know. That no matter what kind of stuff you've been carrying, no matter what kind of stuff that you've been uh, stuffing, no matter what kind of stuff that have been uh, building inside of your heart to make it a barrier to where it's really hard to love and it's really even harder to receive love from people, let alone God, here's what I know. Our God loves you so very much that he's welcoming you to come with all the stuff you've got. And he's not asking you to figure it all out for yourself. He's saying, hey, you can't do it on your own. And I want you to come to me because I have the keys to life in my hand. And I can heal you of whatever ails you. And I know all the stuff that you've got buried deep with inside. I know all the stuff that you struggle with. I know all the, the things that keep you up at night. I know all the stuff. And I'm inviting you to come to me with everything. You don't have to be uh, hiding anymore. You can come into the light and receive life. That's the kind of God we worship. And his genealogy is such that reminds us that, oh man, the path we took to get to him might have been filled with twists and turns, ups and downs. But what we see is that all of history was leading to the climax, the culmination of God's work, and that is Jesus. And what we see is that our life can be a mirror image of this journey. That no matter where you are, you can take a turn and you can journey toward Jesus. Because he, here's the thing. He not only wants you to receive salvation and receive forgiveness and receive hope and healing. He wants to walk with you every day of your lives. And he wants to welcome you into eternity for the rest of your lives when this life is gone. That's the kind of God we worship. He loves you more than you love yourself. And he calls us to respond. So this is what he says 
Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. If you've not come to him, if you've not surrendered to him, I'd love to talk to you after service. Uh, if, if you don't want to talk today, feel free to go to the Welcome Center. Fill out a connection card. I want to talk to somebody about following Jesus. And we'd love to have a, a conversation with you. But what he calls us to do is simply to surrender our lives. Because what he knows is what we hopefully are starting to understand. And that is the life that we lived without Jesus has no hope. And that the only way we can have hope is if he does away with that old life and makes us brand new. He's not saying, I need you to do a remodel. No, it's far past that. We need to bulldoze it and start from scratch. And he's going to make you fully new. And then it might take a little while to get used to living that that way. But he's going to walk with you through it. Show you where to go. Show you what to do. And be with you through it all. No matter the path you've been on, Jesus invites you to journey toward him today. No matter where you are in your journey, I hope and pray that you will take that next step toward him. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have been writing a story in, in, in a way that um, it gives us hope because we're, we're all coming from, from broken relationships, broken spaces, uh, spaces that we thought were really good, and sometimes we were, we're shown the cracks in the foundation. God, we're, we're reminded that this world is full of um, some letdowns and some pain, but God, all throughout it, we are reminded that you reign over it, um, that you're, you're working in our hearts to, to remake us and renew us. God, please show us what you want for us today. Um, God, I pray that for the many people in this room and on the stream who have been journeying with you, that they would be encouraged on that journey with you. That they would be encouraged that, um, yes, this life is full of twists and turns, but um, above all else, you love them and you're with them. God, I, I know it's such a simple thing for us to say that, and it's really hard for us to grasp it. The fact that you, the creator of the universe, you love us, and, and you want to walk with us through the boring times and the exciting times, through all of the times in between. And God, for the people who may have not started their journey to you, or maybe this is, a, is merely a step in their journey toward you, Father, please move mightily in their hearts. Holy Spirit, do a work that none of us could ever ask or imagine, but it's so much better than we ever thought possible. God, um, make them into people you, you and, and show off as you do it, to be people that they never thought they could be, but it's all because of your grace and mercy. God, we're reminded, we're thankful that, uh, that you brought your son into this world through a crazy family tree. And as we dig more into your word, as we dig more into the account of Matthew, God, continue to show us what you want us to see and continue to grow us in the people you want us to be. We love you, Jesus. Please hear us as we sing. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.